Loki gets a new time slot, Aquaman 2 drops a trailer, Donald Glover's Lando is now to be a feature film, and Captain Marvel takes up chemistry. All that and more this week on Multiverse News. Welcome to Multiverse News, your one-stop shop for all the information about your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today on the panel, uh, we have Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. How you doing, Haley? I'm so great. Just, you know, trying not to hold the, hold the show back, and I don't need to worry because there's tons of news this week. Right? Yeah, we we've had so many conversations of the last few weeks. By the way, this is a light one, but we're gonna we're gonna dig in on all this stuff. And this week, it's like so many things. Big news week, guys! Big news week. And Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. How you doing, Jay? Doing well. Happy to be here talking a little news with you guys. Always good to be here with you, my friend. And for the first time. Christopher Fazio, uh, we call him Faz, uh, from Across the Bifrost. What is going on, Faz? Hey, happy to be here, guys. Thanks for letting me uh, sneak into the podcast today. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. It's always exciting to have someone new to bring their energy. Uh, let us suck your energies dry. <laughs> it's a very Welcome. vampire-themed episode. Feed our podcast <laughs> with your energies. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We were talking about vampires before, and I can't get it off out of my brain. Um <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a Twilight show coming. You can. There's nothing stopping you from starting the Twilight podcast when that happens. Oh, there's nothing stopping me. Nothing starting me either. But <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of a podcast where, like, you're covering a show that you're not watching. Like, you're like, all right, so this week on episode one, like, you're just trying to piece together what happened, but you don't really know. <laughs> Using like, only Twitter, so you can't be <laughs> yeah. entirely sure that it's accurate. Yeah, like you're a super casual fan. Like, you don't really care about it, but you're just covering yeah. it anyway. <laughs> There's a podcast. This is not that, but it's this. It's it's, it's similar. Uh, called like the worst idea ever podcast, if I remember correctly. And what they do is they they picked a movie and they cover it every week for 52 weeks. So they talk about the same movie <laughs> oh for 52 weeks. And the great thing is they picked Grown Ups Two. <laughs> <laughs> and none of the cast oh, of the show has ever watched Grown Ups 1. So a part of it is speculating not about what will happen to these characters, <laughs> but what the inside jokes are that they're not understanding. Like they're constantly referencing the first one and they're trying to piece together the first movie by only watching the second one 52 times. <laughs> that sounds infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty it's, it's a pretty very silly. specific type of person that listens to that and it's like yep i'm in all 52 weeks like very specific comedy uh type <laughs> i got a buddy who loved it and watched and listened to all of them and then uh then as a special event they watched grown-ups uh one as like their end of this year and then the, they did it a second <laughs> season and i think they did sex in the city too having never watched any sex in the city <laughs> so <laughs> That's pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, okay, we should get to the news. How about you guys? Let's. Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Following the lead of their Disney sibling Star Wars, Marvel Studios announced on Monday that Loki Season 2 will premiere on Thursday, October 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern, giving the show a primetime watching spot for North American audiences. We have to assume this means Disney Plus is pleased with the viewership for Ahsoka, which is the first Disney show to experiment with a primetime release. Loki will follow suit with all episodes dropping on Thursdays at that time. 
Marvel also released a featurette called Amazing Loki, highlighted by the following quote from executive producer Kevin R. Wright. Rest assured, our Loki will be with our Mobius, and they will be dealing with the consequences of this first season. Will Loki's mischief be managed better in a primetime spot? I am so excited for this show. I think that Loki season one was top tier Marvel, top tier Disney Plus show. And I think if they're picking up right where they left off, this is going to be an insane six weeks or however long they decide to actually have a go for. Yeah, absolutely. And this quote is wonderful. A lot of people have speculated because of the events in the trailers and stuff and the events at the very end of the show that like, we might not be getting a Mobius that remembers season one, and we might not be getting a Loki that kind of knows what's going on, or a Sylvie that knows what's going on. And I love that it's very on having the pulse of the audience to be like, no, it is our Loki and our Mobius telling a story that follows the story from the first season. Uh, so that's really, I like, I like that quote a lot. I liked the quote too, and that's why I pulled it out, because I was like, this kind of gives us, Loki was very much something we were all looking forward to after secret invasion and we saw the trailer and we were like oh yes this is going to be really awesome and then um i think the faith of the fandom is still a little it's on a little bit of shaky ground just a little bit i'm not saying everybody hates everything don't worry we're not going that far (laughs) but i think it's kind of nice to hear from somebody directly involved with the production that you know these characters you're going to know these characters you're not going to be lost while you're watching this show and also yay that it's at prime time yeah, I love the primetime move. I think that is absolutely the right move. It's generating so much more conversation. Ahsoka trends every single week on Twitter at 9 p.m. And all of the mm-hmm. other words associated with Ahsoka, like lightsaber, Star Wars, Thrawn, <laughs> Anakin, you know, like anything that has to, like those are your trending topics on um on Tuesday night and into Wednesday. So it's clearly doing what it was meant to do. People are catching it at the same time. And then they're talking about it on these public social media spaces instead of just catching it some at night, some in the morning, some in the afternoon, and then some in the evening. And then everybody just sort of throwing their two cents in whenever it seems like just generating that fan experience is happening with what's happening with Ahsoka. And I think this is probably the way that it's going to be going forward. When we see Marvel series and star Wars series, um, this is probably the new normal, which I think is the right move. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think this is a great move for the fandom. And it's just like, finally, we have water cooler time again, you know? Yeah. Instead of everyone, like, it it seems like a 24-hour window wouldn't change it that much. Like, sure, only the diehards watch at 2 a.m. and then it sort of trickles throughout the day, but it seems to really affect things. And I guess, if nothing else, it affects Twitter. There's just not as many people doing it at that exact moment, you know? Um, And yeah, it's really, really rad. I'm excited. It also affects my sleep when they have amazing episodes like last week's Ahsoka, and then I'm awake at night thinking about it all night long. (laughs) But it's okay. Keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Up next, DC finally released the trailer for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, scheduled to hit theaters on December 20th. The almost three-minute-long trailer shows us an Arthur Curry portrayed by Jason Momoa who has embraced both sides of his life, on land and under the sea. But this bliss is going to be interrupted by Black Manta. 
played again by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who threatens to destroy Aquaman's life and cause a global meltdown. We'll also see the return of Nicole Kidman, Patrick Wilson, and Tamara Morrison reprising their roles from the first film. The film was directed by James Wan. It's been on the discussion block for a while, but how do we feel about this trailer? I've been a vocal um, non-proponent of this movie. But <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a word for non-proponents. <laughs> yeah, we call it a hater. That's what you are. <laughs> Jay, you've been hating too. Let's not start these fights on the air. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Keep them on the air. Save them for the air. <laughs> I actually thought this trailer was pretty good. Um, I watched the whole thing a couple times, and uh, what I really liked out of it was the interplay we're going to get between Jason Momoa's character of Aquaman and Patrick Wilson's character who plays his brother. Um, so it looked like they're they're doing something that might be a little more interesting to me than the first one. The first movie is just, ah, uh, I'm a forgotten prince. I must reclaim my kingdom. Like, kind of wrote, kind of been there, done that. And Black Manta was very misused in that film that's one of its biggest criticisms because it's being played by such a the characters played by such a great actor so i actually i'm kind of looking forward to it now i call that growth <laughs> i'm proud of you Haley. that is a that's a big step up i think that it looks really good and i thought the first one was pretty good it was fun it had cool visuals there's an octopus playing the drums like give me a sequel with an octopus playing two sets of drums and i'm in i'm right with Haley. Uh, unexpectedly patrick wilson was one of my favorite things about the first one i really like him as an actor and like i thought his character had a lot of depth and for the villain or whatever and like you can you can i feel like they're almost directly comping the loki thing by like having him come back and sort of be an ally in the second one and you know uh and and i I'm here for it though. Like there's just something about brothers and family and like we talked about it when we talked about the Craven trailer, how it's just about fathers and sons and brothers. And it's just like infusing that sort of like family dynamic on top of a superhero story and not just having it be like superhero fights this guy to win the day. Like you need that sort of like undergirding of like relationships that I think this kind of thing really gives it. So excited about it yeah i mean <laughs> i don't mean to be that guy but like this movie's gonna bomb <laughs> go be that guy jay <laughs> now who's the hater <laughs> it's gonna bomb harder than the flash like uh which i mean it had a huge budget so that's part of why it bombed but like um man i think i think your dc fans um are frustrated with DC for, for different sure. reasons. I mean, some of them are mad because of the new direction because they don't like the James Gunn reboot. They want to continue the Snyder verse. Like they're mad for that reason, but other groups of DC fans are mad about the constant back and forth about Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. No, she's not like Henry Cavill, Superman. No, he's not like, so you have kind of that going on. And I think there is a lot of toxicity that's come out of that because people are frustrated. And I think they're looking at this as just, okay, what, what is it going to do? You know, like, I, and it's hard for a fan that's followed the franchise for so long, I think to buy in to a movie and I get what you're saying. And I'm, I'm perfectly capable of like going to theater and just being like, all right, whatever, let me turn out all the noise and just try to watch a good movie. I, I think all of us are capable of doing that. Right. But I think a lot of fans are, 
are kind of hesitant to do that. Like, I think they're, they're looking at it as where is this going? Like, is this going to lead into the new DCU? Is this going Mm. to be a swan song for the DCEU, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think getting hung up on that stuff does affect whether or not people will see it. And I I walked away with the same reaction. I thought, okay, like, seems interesting, like something that I would watch. But I also had the feeling of like, this is going to be on max in four months, you know, or less, probably less. And so I think like that is probably going to be a lot of people's reaction is like, why would I go to the theater to see this whenever I could see it on max? Um, Not too long around the corner. So, you know, I mean, I'm all for um, positive positivity around fandoms and content and stuff. So I don't mean to, you know, hate on, (laughs) hate on it or whatever. It's just, it's, it's coming to us in a very difficult time. Like this movie is arriving in the middle. It's, it's the, it's the rope between tug of war, uh, between two kind of different worlds and two different things. I don't believe Jason Momoa will be the Aquaman in the new DCU. I, I, I guess probably that will be insinuated at some point in the next three or four months that that could be a possibility. But I think probably that's a character that's going to be recast and I think people, they carry that into the theater with them, you know? So it's complicated. It's really complicated. It's a really complicated movie. It's just facing a lot of weird things that like other movies, I mean, the flash faced it, but this is almost facing it even differently. Cause I think we thought the flash would be a DCU connection thing. Like we, we were kind of sold that a little bit like, Hey, right. this is going to kind of bridge the gap. It's going to kind of reset everything. Like that was something somebody said all the time. It's going to reset everything. But this movie doesn't really seem to do that. It just kind of seems to exist in the old universe. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I think it's got a it's got a lot stacked up against it for sure. I have kind of an interesting like I don't know if you guys saw that like birds they've moved a bunch of DC movies over to Amazon and Hulu, um yeah. and like Birds of Prey is having this new life over on Hulu because a lot of people are discovering it, and so it's kind of this like Jay you saying that oh I'll I'll just catch it on streaming which is a lot of people's viewpoint we've talked about the ifs ands or buts about that in recent weeks. Um, I wonder if what the streamers are learning is that not everybody's just following their content to their streaming platform. And like, I think Hulu's one of the biggest streaming platforms. It's not one of the ones I use the most, but I think I'm in the minority when it comes to that. And like Birds of Prey, I think that this is a movie that could do the same thing. Me personally, I'm going to go to it and just watch it for what it is and not try to connect it to anything because I'm done trying to do that at this point with these DC movies until I'm proven wrong. I have a little counterpoint to Jay's assertion that this one will definitely flop. I, I I think it's the most likely scenario, but I do think that there's a little bit of like, and I hate to say this as the guy who loves a connected universe, I think there's a little bit of connection fatigue where they're not making movies to make a good movie or like to have a, that movie be good. It's just about the bigger universe. And, and like the bringing back of, uh, uh, Batman. I'm Batman. Bruce Wayne. Uh, Michael Keaton. <laughs> he said Bruce Wayne. I love it so much. I love that you said Bruce Wayne. The Joker. It's a jackal. <laughs> I know it seems like I was making a joke. That was a literal. It's like Bruce Wayne. Duh. Like, like I know. It was, a, I know. It was totally it. genuine. It was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> but you meant Michael Keaton is what you were trying to say. But I had to go through three people to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I could, I couldn't bring up his name in my brain for some reason. Uh, the bringing back of Michael Keaton as Batman felt like it could have been such a cool thing, but in the end, I don't think they utilized it well, and it just felt like it felt like it didn't have enough special sauce to it to where it just felt like 
oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before in No Way Home. You know, No Way Home was an amazing experience because we'd never seen that before. It's like these movies keep doing these amazing things we've never seen before, and then six other studios try to do the same thing. And I, I'm going to jump way down our script here and talk about another connection to this, just to just to flesh out this conversation. This week, uh, Sony put out a Venom versus Venom fight on their Twitter or something, right? And like, yeah, it was Topher Grace's Twitter versus Tom Hardy. <laughs> Twitter? I thought they deleted did it. They, they did. did. They, it was up for did. like oh. two seconds and then they deleted it, but the internet never forgets. That's how Sony advertises now, right? With leaks <laughs> that aren't really leaks. <laughs> <laughs> but it was this like weird... To- Who is clamoring for a return of Topher Grace's Venom? Like, nobody's <laughs> clamoring for that. It just seems like such a weird... It's, it seems like it's, again, Hollywood learning the wrong lessons. Um and it's all about just making a good movie. And I do think that there's something about this one being that it is clearly standalone. I don't think that it's it's not trying to do the big connections things. They're, they didn't put any other DC characters in this trailer. It's just the people from Aquaman 1. I think there's something that's kind of – that standalone nature makes it makes me want to see it more because I'm not – I'm not putting it on pedestal to be like, I can't wait to see how this connects to the next DCU. I'm I'm going to see the this Aquaman movie, you know? Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be it's gonna beg to do what Blue Beetle did, like number wise numbers Ooh, wise. Man. I, I really do th- Interesting. I mean I think Blue I Beetle know. just crossed a hundred million and um uh, last know. week, Jay. All right, what are you putting on it? I think it's going to double. I think it's going to double what Blue Beetle did. I think it's going to double Blue Beetle too. I, I think people like water movies, especially internationally. The first, the first one made one point three billion dollars or whatever, right? Like this one's going to make money, not as much as as the older ones. All of our detailed analysis, but throw it all out because people like water and people don't like bugs. Okay, just drop the mic right there. I like it, Faz. I like it a lot. That's my hard hitting contribution to the panel today. You know, <laughs> Spider Man would like a word with you <laughs> you're right you're right good call spider-man's not a bug he's an arachnid you gotta be like burn that. <laughs> why is everybody trying to throw animal facts at me every week on the show what's that <laughs> you brought the energy tonight we're just feeding it back to you <laughs> uh, wait 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 hold on what are we betting come on you want to bet anything, Jay? Oh, jeez. You're going to have to give me a week <laughs> to think on. about it. You're going to okay. have to let me think about it. That'll be the Spotify it. poll. I, I was probably a little too harsh with it's going to do... Okay, I was probably a little you too harsh with it it's going to beg to do blue. No, 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 no. You're, but... you're stuck with under $100 million now. You have to pick something, yeah. <laughs> but uh, give me a week to think about it. But I think it will be like... I'm, I'm saying like $150 million or something, which would be a pretty big bomb. Immediately adds 50k to his guests because he was bullied by the two of us. So, yeah, <laughs> he was bullied. Hey, people are gonna be mad listening to this, and I don't. I just, I'm just trying to be realistic. All right, people are really fed up with DC. Okay, it's we gotta gotta keep that in mind. After the Flash, too, people are extra fed up with DC. Yeah, no, that's fair. You cannot deny the power of Jason Momoa, and he's not even somebody I really like enjoy. Well, but he can't promote it though either do. at this point. Like every day that passes, <laughs> he still can't promote it. Well, I think there's also like a weird sort of uh, another Venom connection here. Weirdly, those Venom movies did really well because people just like those movies, even though they don't care all about the Sony connected universe. Like those movies, they just liked it, and and people liked the first Aquaman. I think like. And since this one doesn't seem to be trying to do the connection, I think people are going to like the second Aquaman. Now, the the one counterpoint for that, though, I guess, is that Aquaman came out at, like, the golden age of superhero movies with, like, Infinity yeah. War and Endgame and everything around it. And this one is 
very much not the golden age right now, right? So true. We'll have to see, but it's more than a hundred million, probably. I think so too. We'll 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 just ask. That's our poll this week. Uh, go to Spotify and say what Jay should bet us. <laughs> <laughs> the Flash did two hundred sixty nine million worldwide, by the way, with Michael Keaton. So mm. okay, Jay. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Up next, uh, Donald Glover's Lucasfilm project Lando is now being developed as a film instead of a Disney Plus series. Though Solo, a Star Wars story where we first saw Glover portray the smuggler, was not a box office or critical success, there was a strong response to his young version of Lando Calrissian. We reported in the past that Glover is working on the project with his brother Steven, but of course those plans are currently on hold due to the strikes. In an April interview with GQ, Glover indicated that he isn't going to waste time on projects that mean very little to him, but he was quoted as saying, Lando is definitely somebody I'd like to hang out with. What do we think of this new film hyper-jumping its way into the Star Wars slate? So I think when you're looking at this, there are a lot of stories out there and it's just it's Marvel, DC, Star Wars, really all of it, that some characters and stories work really, really well as a series, and some work really, really well as a film. And I think we've seen examples of really good uses of the series, really good uses of six to eight episodes, like Ahsoka comes to mind, The Mandalorian mm-hmm. comes to mind, like like uh, some of the Marvel shows like Loki and Moon Knight that are really well received. They they are good examples of how you can take a story and you can stretch it out over six to eight hours and make it work. But then we also, I think, have some examples of ones that feel a little bit too stretched out over six to eight hours. And the story's good and the story's there, but it can be a little bit tighter. And so I think Lando, to me, probably does work better as a film, uh, just in terms of like what we have from the character already, where you can still take the character. I really like the idea. I know Donald Glover is involved as a producer, but I really like the idea of him getting involved as Lando as well, like pulling us into maybe him and Billy D. Williams both portraying the character at different stages, right? Like Billy D. Williams was set up in the Rise of Skywalker to be able to continue his story. Like the way that it ends, it's very clearly a pitch for something because he's basically like, we're going on an adventure, whatever. Like, I don't don't remember what the line is, but like, you know, it's set up (laughs) for him to kind of do whatever. And I think if you're going to continue that, I like the idea of taking you know, if he's got motivations or things happen to him or certain choices that he has to make and then connecting those in flashbacks with young Lando facing similar circumstances or similar choices and then building this character through kind of both ends, young and old, to tell a new story. I think that works a lot better in a tighter format, like two hours or so. I'm more interested in that than a six hour, what could feel like, all right, we could have cut a couple of these episodes, you know, some of them felt a little bit like side quests, some of them felt a little bit filler to kind of get a really impactful, good story. And I think just on top of it all, I think Donald Glover is, I mean, I trust him from a creative standpoint. I think he's um, got, he's really cut his, his teeth on a lot of really good projects here. And I think something like this, taking that big step into directing a Lucasfilm project, um, 
I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. I think he could bring a really interesting and fresh vision to that. And, and I'm somebody who likes Solo, too. I thought uh, I had fun watching that movie. Like, I enjoyed it for what it yeah. is, and I thought his portrayal of Lando was one of the many bright spots of that movie. So I'm really interested in this, and, I, and it gets me more excited thinking about it as a film rather than a series. This one always felt like one that was a series because Disney was pushing having as many series as possible, mm-hmm, and sure, one that yeah. would be served really well as a two, two and a half hour film. So I think this is perfect for the creativity of it and to give uh, Donald Glover and his brother the chance to write the best script available instead of just taking a two and a half hour plot and Falcon and Winter Soldiering or Book of Boba Fetting or whatever recent uh, Disney Plus project you want to call it, secret invasioning it to add an hour in of fluff that just makes everybody mad that it's still going instead of keeping it tight. So I, th- I think this is going to go really well. Yeah, I think... I actually disagree with Jay's idea that like, or you talk about the internet was talking about like different characters can be told in different formats. Mm -hmm. I think it doesn't matter. I just think that you have to tell your story for that format. And like, you have to have a writer and directors who understand that format. That's the the biggest problems of secret invasion for me. I think if that, if, if you change almost nothing and make that a movie and cut out some of the fat, it's great. Like it, it, or at least it would be unnoticeably Marvel. Like it would just be like, oh, yeah, it ended in a fight, but we had all that great meat in the middle. But by the time we get to the last episode, we want the last episode to be meaty, but it's just a fight and it just feels empty. Um, and the thing about Donald Glover, he wrote Atlanta, and that show is amazing, but it isn't a TV show. It's like f- uh, forty movies. Um, Everyone is very standalone. They're a bunch of little standalone short films instead of, you know, having that overarching plot and learning about like how to drive the story forward. So if he's writing and uh, being a part of the directing process on this, like, I a hundred percent think they should make it a movie because that's that's what he's done so far. Even though it's it, Atlanta was a TV show, it was not the kind of TV show that we need a Lando show to be. Uh, and I think him writing it as a movie is just so much better. I'm going to ride the fence rail on this one and say I would have been happy either way. Um, Knowing that Donald Glover has his hand on the wheel for writing is awesome, but Lando is such a rich character that in visual Star Wars media, we haven't really gotten to explore a lot of his backstory or his adventures as a smuggler or even him being the governor of Cloud City, whatever. Um, He, I could, you know, in Star Wars, in Solo, a Star Wars story, um, he he's like doing the Calrissian Chronicles, right? And he's like talking into a little recorder and recording his adventures. And I think that might have originally been the pitch for the show. And I can see why they wouldn't want to go that way. Um, and hopefully he's doing something original that he's coming up with because like we've all said, and like our friend Scotty in the chat who was able to pop in, what's up, Scotty, said um, he's a busy dude with a lot of interests and talents. And so I think he's going to bring something really cool to this. and. I just am excited, movie or show, I'm excited for it. Yeah, this tells me that he has a vision that fits a film better than a show, and that's what I want to see. I want to see a creative person's vision. I don't want to see a, hey, we want you to, here's the layout, and we want you to craft your vision into the layout. I want to see, like, here's my idea, and I'm a creative person, and here's what I want to do, and then we're going to empower you to do that thing. That gets me a lot more interested. 100%. All right, up next... 
Apple TV Plus has released its first trailer for the upcoming limited series Lessons in Chemistry, starring Brie Larson. Based on the New York Times bestselling novel, the series will tell the story of Elizabeth Zott, a chemist turned celebrity chef during the 1950s. Though Lessons in Chemistry, written by Bonnie Garmus, is a work of fiction, the novel examines issues of feminism and the patriarchy that still resonate today. The series will run for eight episodes on October 13th through November 24th and also star Rain Wilson, Lewis Pullman, and Aja Naomi King. Is the Captain Marvel star setting a precedent in her selection of roles? So I sent this to the group as news and I was like, this book is really popular. And they're all like, yeah, let's cover this. And then I was like, Somebody better read the book, and it better be me, because I'm the one who said we should cover this on the news show. So, <laughs> hey, whoever has a book podcast should have to do it. I mean, I'm just yeah, saying. and that yeah, for sure. That's a me. Like, <laughs> it's not like she has too many things to read. Like, you know. um, oh man, I mean, I can listen to audiobooks, you know, super quick, and I listened to this one in two days, and I'm really, really Brag. glad I did. It's been on my to be read list for a while. It's new. It just came out last year, um, the novel. And I'm just super, super hyped for what Brie Larson is going to do with the source material in this show. It's kind of a sort of a fantastical look at what feminism could have and probably did for some people look like in the 50s and early 60s. But more than that, to me, it was um, just like an exploration of being true to yourself and being authentic and how hard that can be in the world then and in the world today. I think we all struggle with things like that. Um, Elizabeth Zott's perspective is as a woman in the science field, and of course she's not taken seriously, and she's you know pushed down, and her work is taken credit for that's by somebody other than her, and just all the things you would expect. But I was reading it, and I was like, well, I've been degraded, and I've been made to take up less space, and I've been, you know treated poorly and because of my youth, because of my sex, because of my whatever, you name it. And this book really addresses all of that. So the answer to the question that Matt asked is yes. Brie Larson is definitely like taking chances with these roles that um, challenge people, challenge people's beliefs. She's going for strong roles. She's clearly in the projects she's choosing, she wants to portray something very particular it makes me think of Chadwick Boseman a lot in that way. He was choosing roles that were very meaningful to him, that were, would leave a legacy when he was gone. And I'm just super, I admire her so much, and I can't wait for the show. Mm. Well said. Well said, Haley. And uh, I'm excited that the book uh, meant that much to you. And that, because just seeing the trailer, like I, I started crying watching the trailer. Like, so those moments uh, are really, really powerful. and. Um, yeah, I, the authenticity stood out and even in the trailer, like the, the, when the husband has that line where he yells, like, I don't love you cause you're pretty and smart. I love you cause you love me or something like that. Like, it's like, and he's not her husband. I have to represent oh, her and make husband. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a very big deal in the book that he's not her husband. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but it just, it, it just adds to like what you're saying. Gotcha. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. It looked, it, it just assumed. I got a rep for Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> this fictional character. <laughs> yeah, this fictional character. Got a rep for her. Oh. Um, but no, she, she she's really a powerful character. And like just the 
I, I love characters like this who are relegated to some small role because of, uh, you know, them being whatever, uh, stepped on by the, the, you know, white supremacy or patriarchy or whatever. And then like, they use the role they have to achieve the goals that, that maybe like the different goals than they originally had, but like still like fighting, uh, uh, fighting the fight against the patriarchy and white supremacy. Like, I just, I love that stuff. It, it reminds me of hidden figures a bit where like, mm-hmm. you know, they're relegated, but then like, they 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 just work through it and 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 they're able to achieve a lot, um, yeah. It looks really really great. I'm excited. I may have to read it too. Yeah, I think it has the potential to kind of capture a little bit of that Barbie magic that we saw this summer because that movie resonated with a lot of people. And Haley, you've spoken on it before how it resonated with you in very different ways than it would resonate with someone like me, right? Like you're going to get something totally different from it in the messaging. And I think when I was watching this trailer, I, they're a very different type of movie, but I think just that core, that idea um, of kind of what Barbie represented in a lot of ways is is in a way kind of being represented here. Uh, and so I thought that was, uh, to me, that's just the connection that immediately came to mind was a lot of people who really got something from that movie, which was a lot of people clearly um, would probably really get something out of this series too. And um, Apple TV plus like kind of quietly killing it too, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. it's the cheapest streaming service. Mm-hmm. It's got some fantastic shows on it. Like Ted Lasso just wrapped up. Great. Severance. Great, coming with a second season. The morning show just started its uh, its uh, new season and added John Hamm to the cast, which like I mean, wow. come on. And they're getting ready to start like the Godzilla show, which is going to pair up with that MonsterVerse. I mean, so yeah, Apple TV Plus is uh, quietly. I mean, going out and, and getting Brie Larson in a in a key role for a limited series, like it's a big get. I mean, she's one of the biggest movie stars in the world, really. So when you're adding all that together, like they're really building a nice collection of content. If you haven't checked out Apple TV Plus, like I think it's worth your time i think you're going to get a lot more out of it than some of the other ones that are going to cost you more money a month Mm -hmm. i worry that this is going to get pegged as the feminist show kind of like a lot of people pegged barbie as the feminism movie and if that was your perspective of course that's your perspective and that's fine but like lessons in chemistry and like barbie to me the central thing was how to be yourself and how to be authentically yourself. And I think that's extremely hard, especially in these days of social media and AI and filters and all the bullshit that we deal with all the time. And when you are truly yourself, like I try to be just always myself all the time, people can feel threatened or intimidated by that without you ever meaning for that to be the case. And Brie Larson has absolutely gone through that. She went through that when she did Captain Marvel and people just slammed her because she's just who she is. She's a determined woman. And I, I think she now has these passion projects to just continue to go through those streaks of like, no, this is who I am. She's not going to change and be somebody just because some people on the internet didn't like her as Captain Marvel or they think she's wooden or whatever. If you go back and look at her projects, they all have a very similar tone of, you know, being yourself and being authentic. And I'm, ugh, I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> mm, I had a really interesting experience in, in watching Barbie, uh, in that I thought the point was going to be feminism. Like I, I just, you know, just assumed like, that's what it's about. Like, it's a clearly like a literally at the beginning of the movie, they're like, we solved, we solved feminism, you know, like the whole, <laughs> the, we solved the patriarchy or whatever in the first few minutes. And you're like, okay, that's what this movie's about. And I kept watching it and being like, Oh wait, 
no, like this doesn't fit in with that. Like this, this part of the movie doesn't really fit in. What that doesn't really match the goal of of show. These characters aren't acting like the characters they should be acting like to tell that story exactly. And and there there are definitely talks about feminism for sure. But like in the end, it really is just about letting letting Barbie be a person. You know, like letting her be herself. And that is so freaking powerful. Like, yeah, it really hits me hard. Um. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that uh th- that ending just killed me, um, and yeah, it's it, it like it took uh it, yeah the whole movie I was trying to like guess where guess where the moral is you know like figure it out and it's just like oh it's just that it's that simple and I just I love it so much. I've been trying to uh write a script for a YouTube video which maybe will be coming to this channel about how and I'm about to spoil it so. Sorry about that, because uh, it's taken me too long to get around to it, so I probably won't even do it. But about how Barbie and uh, Spider Verse are the same movie, because <laughs> they're both like these. Yeah, it, it's it, it, there's a bunch of little things you can get, draw connections between, but it's basically these movies that seem seem to be about one thing, but in the end, they're about being yourself, like being a, a true version of you and not like the, the movie's all about him trying to be Spider-Man. And then it's about him trying to like do whatever he needs to do in the second one. But it's really just about him trying to be him. And like, I think that's uh, there, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a through line there. And like, I've drawn a bunch of connections, but I haven't written the script. <laughs> they said I was a madman. <laughs> yeah. They said I was a madman. My, my, my favorite joke. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say the joke. I'm going to ruin it. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm going to ruin it. Uh, my, my favorite joke, I was talking to Jay Scotty about the script, and I was like, you know, Mattel, Miguel, Mattel, Miguel. <laughs> like, it's right there, guys. It's right there. Oh, That's what you say God. four hours into the video. Yeah, they're both trying to put the char- the main character into the box. Like, they're it's like one of those trying, red you know? string murder boards in the background, and just Mattel, Miguel, Mattel, Miguel. <laughs> The box says Miguel on it in the Mattel font. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's that's great. TM. That's a thumbnail for a YouTube video that I'll never write. I love that, Haley. You got my PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> These ideas ain't free. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the Spotify poll. Jay, you want to break down the Spotify poll this week? Yeah, so we asked about the marriage of Chris Evans, who has famously tied the knot with his now wife. And we asked, (laughs) what is your take on Cap getting hitched? We gave the audience four options between happy for the newlyweds, which got a respectable 43%. Everybody happy for for Chris Evans. We got 11% of the audience saying devastated. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) Only 11%, eh? The best case for you is a rebound at this point. I'm sorry. We have another 11%. That said that they're skeptical about the age gap. <laughs> so, you know, that was an option. And uh, 11%, they're still, eh, well, we'll see. And then uh, we got 33% saying, leave the man alone. You know, get out of his life. So, uh, happy for the newlyweds leads the leads the crowd there, if you were keeping it. I was yeah. only laughing at the beginning because I'd kind of already forgotten that they got married. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, uh, we did have a comment from um, Andre Mad, who said, as a Portuguese, happy that Captain America is now Captain Portugal. So I thought that was kind of funny because his that. wife is Portuguese. <laughs> nice. So. Uh, what, I th- what I think is interesting about the breakdown of this, I was not on the episode. 
so so I didn't have to get myself in trouble talking about this. Um, but <laughs> we were uh, very kind. Hey, hey, we did a, I thought we the did boys a good tried job, to make okay? me get spicy about it. I, I yeah, we tried to throw some gr- we tried to throw some grenades at Haley, but she diffused them just right out of the air. Just threw them right yep, back. Yep. I liked it. Um, but what I found interesting in, in, in the poll is basically leave the man alone and happy for the newlyweds are kind of the same answer. Like they're both the like, <laughs> yeah, just like whatever, do what you want, man. Um, so the devastated and skeptical are like 20% and 80% is like, or like 78% is like combining happy, happy for the newlyweds and leave the man alone. <laughs> It's kind of like two ways of looking at it, though. It's like one side, if you're saying happy with the newlyweds, you're like, yeah, I liked your guys' coverage of this. That was cool. I enjoyed this. If you're saying leave the man alone, you're like kind of annoyed that we did that in the episode. You're like, all right, let's let's, <laughs> let's talk about something else. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of apathetic. Like, okay, just moving on. <laughs> Gives you a chance yeah. to like just let off a little steam, you know, if you didn't really like that segment, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just a little, a little bit. You, you get to kick us a little bit. That's all I like. I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, now we move on to the lightning round. and. uh uh, so I gotta tell the rules because uh, Faz is here, first time, first time in the lightning round. <laughs> first time, Faz. <laughs> first <Sorry>. time, Faz. <laughs> That's what they call him. I, I love the image of Faz, of Faz like taking the lightning round super seriously and buzzing in immediately every time, like giving us take every time. Like all of us are like, hey, uh, come on, Faz. man! Like, like you gotta get take on every single one of these things. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. If you that. do, go for it. Yeah, yeah. That's hey, that dims the be rules. Aggressive. Hey, that's be the be rules. Aggressive. Yeah. So the way this lightning round works is I'm going to tell, say a story, and then the four of us all get to call out our name if we would like to claim the story as our own to respond to. And only one person gets to respond to each story, except we each get one rebuttal throughout the entirety of the lightning round. So if you feel passionate about a story, jump on it. And here we go. A full trailer was released for Percy Jackson and the Olympians premiering on Disney Plus in December. The story will follow Percy Jackson coming to terms with newfound supernatural powers while restoring order to Olympus. Fast, 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 fast. <laughs> I actually haven't read these books or seen some of the earlier adaptations, but I have a lot of friends who love Percy Jackson. And from what I've heard... This looks very faithful and very impressive towards what they're trying to do. And they feel like their childhood's coming to life. So I'm very fired up for this. Awesome. Awesome. Good news. Yeah. The Alliance of Motion Pictures and television producers says that the Writers Guild of America reached out to restart negotiations and the organization is seeking to schedule the meeting this week. Jay, um, yeah, I mean, this is the first time that they've talked since the blow up that happened. Uh, I mean, at this point, it's been about a month ago. The last time that they met, it's been radio silent since then. And this isn't, I mean, it isn't news in that nothing's happened, but it is news because you're going from not talking to at least talking about talking. So I guess I consider that progress. Absolutely. (laughs) The first trailer for the upcoming Halloween-themed horror comedy film Totally Killer has been released. The film stars Kiernan Shipka as the protagonist who accidentally time travels to the 1980s and attempts to stop a series of murders. The Blumhouse and Amazon Studios production hits Prime Video exclusively on October 6th. Matt. I just want to spoil it. 
because <laughs> in the trailer you see the guy in the time machine stab the time machine and that's what sends them back in time which means he comes from the future which means she's trying to stop these murders but she's going to have to realize at some point she caused the murders or at least this time travel that happened caused the murders if I'm if I'm reading the trailer correctly uh, it looks like it which is my favorite version of time travel is the closed loop time travel where you can't change anything so I have a feeling she's gonna just watch all the murders happen and maybe she'll be able to change something and then the thing won't make any sense anymore because of the <laughs> grandfather paradox but I love time travel <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness star Sochil Gomez, who played America Chavez, will be one of the contestants competing on season 32 of Dancing with the Stars. Gomez is the first actor from the MCU to compete on the show while also being an active part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Haley, I used to love Dancing with the Stars. It used to be so good. And then it was like Dancing with the Not So Stars. And then they put it on Disney Plus, and it was. Not received well, so they're putting it back on network television, which, like, at least they're trying to listen to their audiences, I guess. <laughs> um, but I did read more into this, and so she'll can do this because it's a different kind of contract outside of, like, the SAG after. It's called the, um, oh, I, I wrote it down, I forgot. Anyway, that's why she's able to do this. And even though Zendaya was not part of the MCU back then, she did compete on the show back in the day and win. Mm. I, I, I got a rebuttal. <laughs> I always think of the people who do these shows, either they're rising stars, which uh, uh, Ms. Gomez is, or they're kind of washed up stars. There's no in between. Or they're the former Bachelor or Bachelorette. They're on every season. Yeah. It's like you're or like, yeah. It's like if you're on the Bachelor or Bachelorette, yeah. you're in. So it just was lock part it of in. contract. <laughs> <laughs> or, if you're, or if you're a recently retired NFL star, lock it in. You're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I just think of, I don't think of normally this happening where someone's is actively an MCU participant because that's like the biggest franchise in the world. And like, I know there's a lot of consternation about the MCU right now about how it's like going downhill and stuff. And the fact that one of its like new, brand new, shining members that's like should have sequels coming out featuring her and all this stuff. But with the writer's strike and the time dilation of the universe, like <laughs> who knows when we'll see her again. And it just feels like kind of sad to see an MCU character no, get on Dancing with Stars. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, also, Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton on Fresh Prince, and Julianne Hough are the hosts now. And so I, I think it'll, I think honestly that Dancing with the Stars will have some life that it hasn't had for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that, that may be. I just, that's just my perspective on how people, how I view the people that generally go on there. Not well, that the show is bad. Maybe trying to shift the per perspective. Why am sure. I standing up for Dancing with the Stars yeah, so much? Yeah, get I don't know, because I used to love it. Yeah, fight, fight. <laughs> you love it, you love it. Fight for Jay, it, I love it. being so combative. <laughs> That's the energy that I to bring today? to this show, okay? <laughs> I bring a combative energy. What did those ninth graders do to you today? <laughs> oh, he, he, he was fighting us on Aquaman, right? So that's something. He, he took yeah. a stand there, yeah. Yeah, he, more of a baiter. Like, he, he's baiting people. <laughs> I'll fight. go down with that ship. Jay's a baiter is the, uh, is the tagline for this episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a baiter. He's a master baiter. 
He's a master at baiting. He certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Stupid 12-year-old jokes. Um, Pet <laughs> Cemetery Bloodlines, the prequel film for the 1983 Stephen King novel Pet Cemetery, has released its first official trailer. The film will flesh out the backstory of the character Judd Crandall, whose early experience with the haunted burial ground was briefly related in King's book, but hasn't previously been depicted in detail on screen the film will debut on october 6th on paramount plus jay i think this is really interesting because they basically decided to do a prequel film about a character that isn't really like the way that they got this character was he's basically the guy who's like well i had an experience with pet cemetery before you and you know type thing and uh but they never go there right so they like never talk about it so this film is supposed to sort of explore that so it's kind of taking like a character who's just not really a core part of the story really and then fleshing out a whole backstory around them that's a prequel i think that's kind of interesting it doesn't really seem clear if it connects to like i mean i guess the novel and the film kind of pull from the same thing so it doesn't really matter but it doesn't really seem like it is super beholden to the the film adaptation or, or of the novel but um i just thought that was a really interesting uh move here really interesting for paramount plus too trying to get those original films mm-hmm. absolutely Trivial Pursuit released a Marvel Cinematic Universe edition themed around the Infinity Saga. The board game consists of 1,800 questions spanning films from phases one through three. Faz. <laughs> I am super excited for this. I didn't know this existed until I saw the script. We'll be buying it. <laughs> yeah. Tiny Butt will also be buying it and dominating whoever I play against. 1,800 <laughs> questions. No, 1,800 questions. Like. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, tiny butt. No one will ever play me in this. Like, I'm not the most <laughs> trivia savvy guy, but like, I don't have any local friends that will play this. I guess we could hop on stream and play it. Like the you know people from the network. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's like Faz. You're welcome, of course. Uh, like, yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to play it as a group sometime. <laughs> so like, so it's competitive. All right. Up next. Uh, Amazon Studios has announced that their upcoming Mr. and Mrs. Smith reboot series starring Donald Glover and Maya Erskine has been delayed from its original November release date to sometime in 2024. Haley, who's Maya Erskine? (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for the people. (laughs) Nobody knows? Okay, great. Uh, I'm not not here for the people. (laughs) She was in Pin 15. That's the oh, only thing yeah, I've seen that her Hulu in. show, yeah. Yeah, and that show is weird and kind of good, uh, but like, <laughs> the, it's weird that she's... It is weird to see her rocket from Pin 15 to starring in Mr. and Mrs. Smith with Donald Glover. I don't know her from anything else, and that is a strange leap. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go Maya! But, if you're not familiar with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it's a famous uh, spy movie, sp- sort of like spy comedy movie with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, where they're both yeah. they're married to each other and they're both secretly secret agents and they don't know it, and then they're basically supposed to kill each other, and it's kind of a love story slash comedy slash spy thriller, and um, it was a pretty I don't know I feel like it was kind of a film that caught a lot of uh, attention when it came out. Like people really liked it. And it also kind of hit at that right time where like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston were like not doing great. And he was like getting ready to like leave her for Angelina Jolie. It's a, it had that like, extra it was sort a of 
cultural <laughs> moment. Yeah. yeah, like it really was. Like it was a like a you had to be there type moment. Uh, and um, so the fact that this is a series that's being rebooted, rebooted off of the film, like that's that's kind of out of left field, to be honest. Like I, I didn't see that coming, especially with the. I mean, having Donald Glover in in it as the star, um, whereas he's doing so much more producing and stuff now to just be like, yeah, I'm going to be in this. Uh, that it's just not expected. Mm. I dig it. Yeah, I'm interested for sure. All right, Hulu will release Marvel Studios special presentation Werewolf by Night in color during. Huluween, uh, their spooky season celebration, October 26th through 29th. Matt, I'll watch it. I loved World <laughs> by Night. I feel like this is kind of weird. Like the fact that it's in, uh, it, there's a lot of things with this story. I like that they're, uh, making their stuff available to wider audiences. Um, as Faz mentioned, uh, earlier, uh, Hulu is, is inside of Disney Plus everywhere else, so it isn't wider for them, but for uh, us here in America, it is. Um, it's just interesting. You know, they recently released Miss Marvel on television. They're like, I think it's a good model. I think it's smart of them to start like widening their, like broadening out their audience a bit for those shows because right now it's kind of only diehard fans are watching the Disney plus series. Uh, and it's it, just putting it on television. You're going to grab some more people and putting it on Hulu here. You're going to grab some more people. Um, but making it color, I feel weird about, I don't, I don't love it, but like I'll watch it, especially if it's only available short for a short amount of time. I was about to say, anybody want to, anybody want to come at the color version or are we moving on I, off of that? I, I was going to, but I bet it's being done very intentionally, like for oh, a wider, yeah, for sure to play to a wider audience. Mm, interesting. I, I when I first heard that it was black and white, I was really skeptical. I was like, "That seems so gimmicky," and like, I just make it in color, you know. But when I watched it, like, I I liked that. I thought that added a lot to it. Um, I don't think it'll necessarily like change it that much when you see it in color. But I thought the the black and white thing was kind of cool. I liked experiencing experiencing it like that. I agree. Max has released a teaser for its upcoming animated series, Kite Man, Hell Yeah, a spinoff of Harley Quinn, which wrapped its fourth season Thursday. It's set to premiere in 2024. Matt, I uh, have not seen almost any of Harley Quinn. I've seen like one or two episodes. It's funny. Uh, and I hear it gets really good. Like there's just a lot that goes on with it. Um, it's, it, it, it isn't something that I've been into, but like hearing that it's getting a spinoff makes me want to go watch it all. I just, I, that's a, I'm a sucker for that. When things start building out a universe, I kind of get where like, well, if it's got a universe, there must be really something to that first one. Um, <laughs> And I know that's not always true, but like I've heard a lot of good things about this, so this may make me go watch the whole thing, and th- just so I can watch Kite Man. Who knew? Who knew that would drive my week, my summer, um, <laughs> fall? What? It's something. Okay. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer is getting an audiobook spinoff. Slayers, a vampire story, will follow Spike ten years after the event of. The beloved 90s show. James Marsters will be returning to voice Spike, and several original cast members will also return for the Audible series, which will begin streaming on October 12th. Matt, huge fan of Buffy. <laughs> I'm in. I will watch this. Uh, I read the comic book series that Whedon wrote, uh, or a good chunk of it, uh, that was like season seven and eight of the show. They continued it in comic book form. Um, I, I, I just, I love Buffy, and I will definitely uh, be there for a uh, 
like the actual cast members returning for the voices. Sounds great. Netflix has renewed the live-action manga adaptation One Piece for a second season. The first season began streaming on August 31st and has had a very successful run, generating word-of-mouth buzz on social media and positive reviews from critics and fans. Jay, I think Scotty probably could speak a lot more to this because he probably is more familiar with the animated version of One Piece, which has over a thousand episodes, by the way. Uh, didn't, didn't realize that until I looked that up. Uh, but this <laughs> um, this live-action adaptation of One Piece got renewed maybe faster than any Netflix series I've ever seen get re- renewed for a second season because we've seen this with Netflix. They have a pattern of really drawing in audiences on these properties and then canceling the show after a season or two and just like infuriating people and using metrics of like how long people are watching and things like that to determine if they're going to bring a season back. So the fact that this got renewed that fast, it kind of tells you everything you need to know. People are really liking the series. Fans are on board and it's drawing in new people. Critics are on board and uh, they got the recipe for something that could run, I guess, theoretically as long as they want it to run. I have another bet for you, Jay. (laughs) Made too many bets tonight. (laughs) Take, take, take Take this action. Netflix will not make a thousand episodes of One Piece. <laughs> yeah, what's the over the under? Like, give me a split. Yeah, what's bet. the over under? This one doesn't count. <laughs> this one's got no legs. <laughs> Mini rebuttal on this one. I just hope that they give it more than like the usual two to three max seasons that Netflix does, because you're going to yeah. need more than thirty episodes to properly adapt a show that is over one thousand episodes long. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. if, if you're a fan, that's sort of the, the scary territory is like, I want to get invested, but also like, where are we going with this? You know, like, what's the plan here? So it is, it is kind of a weird situation. Yeah. My niece liked it a lot. She watched the first season, like in a couple of days and loved it. One, one thing to add about uh, the One Piece series, the internet tells me that they've covered approximately 10% of the show in the first season. So that means Netflix has to do 10 or 11 seasons, and they can catch up. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow, but making it through 100 episodes of content, apparently. Um, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> While being well-received, right? That is really impressive to cut that much and still have yeah. people like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times, depending on how uh, those like sort of uh, animes are made, like there's a lot of fluff you can cut, you know, it's that whole like dragon ball. And then they did that. What it was dragon ball where they like cut all the, like all the fluff out and it made it like 10% as long, like, you know, like just, <laughs> just did without cutting any story. They were able to make like a 10% as short cut or something like that. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, maybe it's one of those situations where it just has the rhythm of modern TV instead of sort of that era of anime or whatever. Adapting like manga stuff is really, really tricky territory too, because manga is, it is like really, you know, I mean, it's like, it's kind of exaggerated and it's like, you know, I mean, it's got a very distinct style that I think when I'm thinking about translating that to live action, I'm kind of like, how is that going to work in live action? But it does seem like they got the fans on board. They got new, like new people who don't even know that it's a manga or whatever watching it. And they're like, this is really cool. And I'm liking this or whatever, even the weird stuff is like hitting with me. So it seems like they, they're walking that line really well, at least. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. That was not a lightning round topic. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we kept moving. Do you come to us for us to follow the rules? I mean, come on. No. 
<laughs> All right. The Nun 2 barely took the number one spot at the box office this weekend, grossing $14.7 million uh, domestically to second place, a haunting in Venice's $14.5 million. Um, the box office is the second lowest total of the 2023 of a 2023 weekend dumb money, which only opened in eight theaters only grossed $217,000. Interesting that they put two, I I know it's, I know we're getting to spooky season or whatever, but like, it's interesting that they did these two very, like, I don't know, uh, horror movies. I know haunting and this is a lot different. Didn't the Nun 2 open last weekend? It did, yeah. Oh, did so it? This is its oh. second weekend. Yeah. Oh, okay. I forgot about that. So it still held the lead. I think the Nun did, did about 30, 30 million domestically last weekend, which is really good for a horror movie. Um, yeah, I remember talking so, about how good horror movies are doing these days, so I thought this was interesting to have yeah. two going up against it's each other like it, this. They're cheap. I mean, they're cheap to make, and yeah. they usually like they have a solid audience, but Haunting mm. in Venice, uh, it's, not a good, it's not a good start. Um for for that movie, especially with that cast, like it's a pretty good cast, pretty stacked cast, and um, in some ways, I mean, but it's like it is and it isn't. So um, there, but there's clearly like not a lot of interest in seeing it. I mean, um, that's right. that's really low for an opening weekend for that movie. Mm. There's been a murder. Somebody's killed haunting in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> because we talked about those movies on Bingers and Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. Um, Ashley made a good point that. The marketing for A Hunting in Venice was kind of weird. You know, like if you didn't know what it was, oh, yeah. you weren't sure you wanted to see it. But if you knew what it was, you probably did. If you've enjoyed Kenneth Branagh's take on Poro. So it, the numbers don't surprise me. It's a really yeah. good movie. You should go see it if you want to. Sweet. Speaking to investors last week, Warner Brothers Discovery CFO Gunnar Wiedenfels spoke on rising streaming prices saying, for a decade in streaming, an enormously valuable amount of quality content has been given away well below fair market value, and I think that's in the process of being corrected. Haley. Baz. Oh. Oh, you go fast. You go. <laughs> no, no, no. Haley, you got it. You, you, you no, beat me I know, for sure. But I, I defer to you. You're the legal counsel on the panel tonight. <laughs> As the guest, I will just whine briefly that um, streaming is becoming cable at an alarmingly fast rate. And pretty <laughs> soon it's going to be $130 a month to have all your shows or we're all going to pirate them. Yep. <laughs> That's where we're going and I'm disappointed, but uh, I don't really see it going any other, any other way. As cable dies, they need to make their money back somehow, I guess. I'll rebut that I viewed this as his comment on the strikes and that his PR person said, Go out there and do this. <laughs> mm. <laughs> this uh, this quote to me just says like it reinforces the fact, and we've talked about this a few times on the show that the death of streaming as we know it today is going to be very long and very slow and very expensive <laughs> for us <laughs> because it is slow. It's not going to turn off, but uh, quickly. But this is the problem, and we don't have to rehash it. We've rehashed it all the time uh, with this idea of like Hollywood and making content and all this. And to like, I hear what he's saying, and as a consumer, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're, they're talking about raising prices. They're going to raise prices, but like, he's not really that wrong either. Like, <laughs> you know, like in terms of just the endless pit of content that you get for paying a subscription fee, that's not super. We're we're learning that that's not super sustainable, and so that that death uh, is going to last a very long time, and um, it's going to be extremely annoying. 
to be a part of. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I really, it, it, it highlights what we were talking about earlier with um, Apple TV plus for me, there was a time when Netflix was a place for really high quality content. And like every time it was a Netflix original, that boom, boom, that boom noise or whatever, but I was like, dumb. Oh, this, this is going to be great. You know? Um, yeah. To dumb. Right. Uh, this is going to be a great show. And now it's just, it could be anything. Like, it just doesn't matter. It's going to, could be terrible, could be great. Who knows? Uh, it doesn't mean anything to be from Netflix anymore. And Apple TV Plus still has that. And I think that's the model we have to return to. I think, like, making so many shows and just throwing everything at the wall is just not sustainable. They're going to have to keep raising and raising and raising their prices. Like, just just bring it back and, like, make the good stuff. Like, be selective. Um, I mean, some streaming service can specialize in, like, a thousand reality TV shows and, you know, crappy stuff like Dancing with the Stars or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, he went there. <laughs> just teasing. Just teasing did you, Jay, anyway. like, send his energy to you through the interwebs? <laughs> did, he, like, did he, like, Spidey Bug send yeah, we them got a, through Yeah, we got a private group chat and I texted him, I said, get her. You know, it was just, the, just those two words. Get That's her. all it says. Why am, I refuse to be the one getting attacked. <laughs> I didn't know what a spider was. <laughs> she just said get her. I love that so much. Bader. Okay. Yeah, master Bader. <laughs> the thing with Apple, though, it's $5 because it's Apple. And and Amazon is like is wrapped up with Prime because it's Amazon. Like those companies are different than even Disney. Like Apple is so much bigger than Disney, so it can sustain keeping this like giant wath of content. And other like we're seeing these other companies like they're really struggling with that, so their prices are really going up. So here's what's going to have to happen. It's like kind of one of two things: either the big guys are going to have to absorb all the small guys, and you're going to have like two streaming services. Like Apple's going to have everything and Amazon's mm. going to have everything in the other corner and it'll just be like that or it's going to have to be a choose a, your subscription so like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a subscribing to Disney but I'm, subs- I'm paying a couple dollars for Marvel content a couple dollars for Star Wars content a couple dollars for this and that and then everything else is I can't watch it so like it just goes mm. in the vault and you're going to have to subscribe to specific properties uh, or and like get discount. Oh, you buy four series, you get a bundle or whatever. Like it's going to have to be like that at some point probably. Cause that's the only way like people mm. are going to get paid who are in these things that are more successful than others. Maybe this is a hot take, but I would still pay $5 to watch secret invasion. Cause it's still three hours of Marvel content. I know that you couldn't pay Haley enough to see it, but I would still pay five <laughs> bucks. You know? No, yeah. you couldn't pay me enough to see uh, Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, Hawkeye! Oh, Hawkeye, the shots fired. Goodness, Haley Steinfeld is crying somewhere because of you, Haley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, couple more here. Marvel Studios announced their first foray into the on-screen Lego world with Lego Marvel Avengers. Code Red. Uh, the all-new special will stream on Disney Plus on October twenty-seventh. Matt. Why not? Yeah, baby. Bring a, give us, give me a, like, I mean, they did, you know, uh, the Lego movie's wonderful. Lego Batman's good. Um, and like, the, you know, I'm all about it. Like, bring, bring me a different take on Marvel's Avengers. And it, I'm sure it'll have tons of references to the MCU and other, like, just, you know, Avengers and like Marvel properties and stuff. And probably will have more leeway with like cool crossovers and silly things and making fun jokes. So 
It'll be like uh, Deadpool for kids, you know? <laughs> Just to add on to that, too, I, I think if Disney Plus is going to be as profitable as Disney wants it to be, they have to have more smaller budget projects like this that keep people coming back to the thing. You can't only have $300 million streaming services every couple months, right? You need to have, like, there's a fun Lego thing, or even the special presentations. So I'm all for this. Give me more. Give me a Lego cinematic universe that costs $3 million to make each time. I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> yes. Lego Batman, by the way, it's not going to be, you know, who directed Lego Batman, but Lego Batman is still one of, I'm not kidding when I say it was one of the hardest I've ever laughed watching a movie. Like, mm-hmm. for that movie, just, it's so funny. Like, it's deeply funny. <laughs> like, the jokes that yeah. it moves so fast, they move at you at 100 miles an hour. And uh, I, ju- I think it was because I wasn't expecting it. Like, it was like, oh, my kids want to watch it, blah, you know, whatever. And then as I got into it, I was like, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Hot facts, mm. I have never watched a Lego thing yet. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. Haley's dropping heat these last five minutes. I haven't, mm-hmm. but I don't want to. I just have not. <laughs> Pizza dog forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what other fan bases can we make mad before we get out of here? <laughs> I'm not mad, Jay. As you said that, I saw the word Swift in this article, and I was like, nope, I'm skipping no, that's, it. That is one <laughs> that we will never, we will never come at. <laughs> we love you, Taylor. We do love Taylor. It's not what you think. Sony posted and then swiftly deleted a video featuring Tom Hardy and Topher Grace fighting each other in a mashup of clips from their respective Venom appearances, sparking speculation of a potential crossover in Venom 3. Faz. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I understand that when Sony put the Spider-Man into Spider-Man, it went really well, but that has a lot more to do with it being a really, really good MCU movie and less to do with adding old people back in. So, I mean, nice. Good for you, Sony. I mean, it's going to go over just like that, that beautiful uh, greatest movie of all time, Morbius, went. So, you know, enjoy. So, Sony saw Tobey Maguire in no, no Way Home, and they were like, oh, we can do that. Like, we got a Tobey Maguire guy, don't we? Like, yeah, yeah, of course this is what the people want. Yeah. I want to be in that boardroom. Like, there was probably so much, like, group think. They're just, like, so confident with themselves. They're like, yeah, like, people love Tobey Maguire, so they'll love his Venom. <laughs> Toby Maguire, Toll for Grace, it writes itself. Yeah, I think I have been like one of the biggest champions of the Sony verse lately. Like I'm, I'm kind of getting into it. Like I've been really excited. This made me so much less excited. Like I've been really <laughs> excited about what they're doing. Like like hey, you know, like it's different. It's not the MCU, but like some of their uh, post credits are starting to tie together in interesting ways with Spider Verse and all this stuff. I'm I'm, I'm digging it. I'm I'm kind of digging it. And then. This just like completely tanks my confidence. <laughs> Maybe it was just a joke. I don't know, but like, come on, guys. It was nice that you had the confidence. If you're toe for grace, though, your wallet's getting a little light. Like, get that bag, baby. Get out there. Oh, and get 100%. It. I mean, no one blames him at all. This Strike is so the iron sought. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Well, that's the that's the show, guys. That's that's the that's the lightning round. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on Multiverse News. Let's go around. Uh first up, Faz, tell them where they can find you online. Yeah, you guys can find me at FazGuardian on Instagram and you can find me on a lot of the Across the Bifrost the Mighty Thor show uh, podcast. See you guys around. I saw an article about you, Faz, about like your cosplay stuff. Is that right? 
Yeah, Screen Rant found me recently. I, I don't know how that happened, but I'm pretty happy about it. That's really <laughs> cool. So uh, check out his Instagram, everybody. He's a cosplayer and does cool stuff over there. Um, and uh, and I just that 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 was really neat. That like Screen Rant wrote an article about you. That's really neat. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's my that's my cue. I thought for some reason I thought you guys were just gonna keep going. I don't know why. <laughs> do your job, Matt. <laughs> do the job. Do your job. <laughs> You're in a suit. Come on. <laughs> You're the professional. So at least try to act. You're professional. wearing a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Ailey, where can they find you online? <laughs> uh, so many places right now. Uh, first and foremost, my the show I co-host with Brian V. Klein, Source Pages. We've been diving back into 2015's Secret Wars. So if you want to rewatch Werewolf by Night and get some more Elsa Bloodstone, our episode last week talked a lot about her. You can Ooh. find Ashley Coffin, Jeff Randall, Matt, and I on Pandavision covering Ahsoka. Jeff, Matt are interchangeable, maybe? I'm not sure. And I think, I, I think, we, might, I think we might appear in the same place this week, which has been oh. rare lately. And then uh, the aforementioned Binger's Assemble coverage of Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, and then Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater for A Haunting in Venice. <laughs> See, it's one thing when you do a lot of podcasts. It takes a lot of time. It starts to feel really busy, but it really makes it hard to do your plugs. Like, it really does. Like, let me plug six things. This is the statue of the guy cradling the earth, but it's the podcast network, and you're the guy <laughs> cradling the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Atlas of the Strand yeah, yeah. Network. <laughs> uh, whenever you said you were going to be on Bill and Ashley's Terror just... Theater, like I thought, honestly, you were joking because, like, you just have done. You're doing so many that I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, she's not doing another one." There's no way. <laughs> and then you yeah, are. So, I mean, it's uh, props to you. You're just you're on fire. You're taking well, every show by storm. Now Love that those it. movies are out, <laughs> I, I'm just down to the three. <laughs> yeah, three. <laughs> All right, Jay, how many podcasts are you on? <laughs> man, just this one and one more. I mean, I got to follow that. I mean, come on. Yeah, you got to follow that. Sorry, <laughs> man. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on Commute the Podcast, a 20-minute educational show that drops on Mondays uh, where we cover uh, interesting three interesting topics in 20 minutes. So um, did you know that uh, nine out of the 10 most common birthdays are in September, all within 11 days of each other? Do you know that? I do, because I listen mm. to Commute the Podcast. Yeah. Well, come find out why. I'm not going to tell you why, because I need you to come listen to the show. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we talk about, just uh, things we think are interesting. I have a feeling, because people like to have a sex at a certain time of year, but I won't spoil it. <laughs> I won't spoil it for those of you who can't do math. <laughs> Lastly is me, and I. you can find me on uh, all the places. I am going to be on Pandavision this week. Uh, I, I am pretty sure <laughs> that I'm going to be there for Ahsoka and I'll be on the MCU cast and uh, as, as always uh, and uh, we'll be back soon guys day classy multiverse